0: Hey, welcome to Freeway Church Online. We're glad that you are with us today. Check out this message. It is from our Sunday service. Every now and then I get asked this question, which is, is is your dad a pastor? Is your dad a pastor? You're a pastor. Is your dad a pastor? And uh, it's not offensive or anything, but a lot of pastors, uh, their parent, it's, a, it's the family business. You know what I'm saying? Like their dad was a pastor. Their dad, their dad's dad was a pastor. I think we, I think we used to serve under a pastor that was like a fifth generation pastor. People just uh, followed in their father's footsteps. What's interesting is, no, I didn't. I just felt like called to be in ministry and I've followed God ever since. But um, my dad is a Christian and I do find that I am very much like him in certain ways. Um, my dad, growing up, we lived in the city, but he was fascinated with snowmobiles. Well, we couldn't drive the snowmobile in the city, uh, but we had like, a family cottage and all these snowmobiles. So whenever the weather changed and he would see like, the, the future forecast of snow, he would get so excited. He would make all these snowmobile noises. We were like, Dad, you're the weirdest person. And, but he loved snowmobiling and, and anything with an engine. And, uh, and so snowmobiles and mini bikes and cars and boats and all of these things. And it uh, turns out I love these things, too. Uh, to the point that Alyssa's always a little nervous that our house is going to become like car central, you know, like, and we're going to be one of those, you know. There's lots of cars everywhere in the in the driveway. Um, but yeah, I love, I love small engine. I built, I built a, a couple mopeds and a motorcycle, and hopefully a jeep one day. But. Um, And it turns out my son also loves uh, vehicles and these things. We recently have a uh, a a four-wheeler for him, and he's been driving it around. He was driving it around the church while I was mowing this week, and he was just, like, cruising around the trails. He's like, Dad, I saw a deer. You know, like, he's just excited and burns through gas. That's so expensive. Anyway, um, it turns out, uh, yeah, you can be a lot like your parents, I think of it for a minute. Maybe there are some traits that you have that your parents were kind of like. Whether it's nature or nurture, you can think, oh, yeah, I'm like my mom like this. Or even your kids. Oh, yeah, my kids are picking up those traits. Sometimes you have to think as a parent, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. You're going to have to deal with this now. But, like, I think so much of us, we uh, are like the people that raise us up. And I think it's interesting, and the reason I bring it up today is because if we are children of God, the Bible talks about being children of God, we have to figure out what does that make us, right? Are we like our Heavenly Father? What does that really look like? And so that's what we're talking about today. My name is Roy. I'm the pastor here at Freeway. I'm so glad that all of you are here and online. Welcome, welcome. As Alyssa uh, talked earlier, it was around this time last year that um, the board picked our resume in the pile of resumes for an interview. And I had an interview. It was right around the Festival of the Forks times. And I remember, and I was like, who are these crazy people? Like, who, how would we come here? No, no. No, they won our hearts over, and uh, we're here today. So can we just thank the board? Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you guys so much not just for picking us. They serve monthly. They do things behind the scenes that nobody knows about. And I'm just so thankful to have like a really supportive board at our church. Some board pastor relationships get a little dicey, but I have a very supportive, awesome, um, loving board. And so thank you guys so much for serving. I love you guys. Um, today we're talking about On the Mount, which is our sermon series about the Sermon on the Mount. This is Sermon series part two about the Sermon on the Mount. We started back in the spring, and we picked it up last week. We're learning about what Jesus has to say to his followers. If you remember the story, that Jesus is on a mountain, but it's not really a mountain. It's more like a big hill, and he's got his disciples there, and he's got the crowd in front of him. At least the pieces of the crowd who came to listen to his sermon then the Sermon on the Mount was his go-to sermon. This is the sermon that he preached more most. At least we, hear, we see it fully written out in Matthew and parts of it in Luke. And we believe that this is kind of what Jesus always talked about. You've heard it said blank. Well, I tell you blank. Or you remember the Beatitudes. Remember, it's one Beatitude says, you think that the people who have been given the good cards in life are the rich people. But I tell you that, hey, you're given good cards. You're blessed. Just Just because you can now access the kingdom of God it's open to, for everyone to be blessed now. this is Jesus's kind of iconic sermon. So last week we talked about this idea that your reactions reveal who you really are. Your reactions reveal who you really are, not your actions, your reactions. Because you and I know we can fake some good actions. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can be good to our coworkers, think you're great. Your family thinks you're great. In fact, you could, like, pull a, a long con on people. You can, like, they, they think you're clean. They think you're a clean person. But little do they know, like, you get in the car and there's all those cups in the wheel wells. And like, you're like, oh, actually, do you know what I'm saying? It's okay. It's okay. I'm that person, too. You know, I got, I got, I'm messy every now and then, too. But we can act a certain way to try to re- convince people we are like something. But our reactions are very hard to, like, have a fake face about because they, it might happen immediately. We have to act when something happens to us. So our reactions really tell people who we are. They tell other people what we really believe about ourselves and about the world around us. Sometimes uh, some of us are more offended than others when certain things come about. One of the reasons we're offended in that moment is because you're telling other people about what you really believe about yourself or what you really believe about the story Uh, around you. You're showing people your beliefs through your reactions. So what do we do? If Jesus is really saying, uh, when someone comes at you, someone's being mean, turn the other cheek, right? He says, if someone sues you, uh, let them have more than they ask, right? Remember the story, someone says, take take up... take up my armor for one mile, you you'd go the extra mile with that Roman guard. That was last week. What, what does that mean for us? We need to learn how to control our reactions and how to like get ready before they actually happen because we have to get ready because we can't control the reactions in the moment. And so today we're taking this to the next level and Jesus does this all the time, right? And so today, Freeway, I have to tell you that perfect love is reacting to your enemy with love. Perfect love is reacting to your enemy with love. This is one of the uh, level, like high-level Jesus teachings. In fact, if you go through Scripture, you have simple teachings and you have more complex teachings. This is like The highest level. So if Jesus is, if it has a scale of chili peppers for Jesus' teaching, this is five out of five intensity level. This is like the intense stuff. And you may think to yourself, that doesn't seem so intense. But hey, it is. (laughs) It's pretty intense. Perfect love is reacting to your enemy with love. You see, so many of us look at our world as Christians, as like as Christianity is about sin management. You might think to yourself, well, what the most intense teaching of the Bible has to do with us like getting rid of our sin? And I would tell you, it doesn't. Your sin management is always secondary to your love management. Your love management is the thing Jesus is after, and your sin management follows along with it. So you may be thinking to yourself, oh, I'm better than my neighbor because that person has a drinking problem and I don't. But the problem is God is not judging you on your bad sin management. He's judging you, if anything, on your love management. You're not thinking to yourself, which one of you is better? You're thinking of yourself, which one is more loving? And perfect love, this is, the, this is the message today, perfect love is reacting to your enemy with love. This is the highest degree of like, this is what makes you the best, okay? And in the Christianity, there's no best and worst. We're all sinners and fallen short of the glory of God. But if we are on a journey to be better or to be more or to follow Jesus and who he really is, this is the pinnacle. This is the top. Perfect love is reacting to your enemy with love. So what does that look like? Let's talk about it today. Jesus, he was the ultimate example of our reactions. In 1 Peter 2.23, it says, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Today, we're looking at Jesus's life as an example of his own teaching that he teaches. It's interesting because we talked about this in the podcast this week. Alyssa and I, if you haven't followed us on the podcast, every week we, we release our sermon, and then we release like a, an alternate podcast. So this week, Alyssa and I talked about this because it's interesting that his disciples never caught this part of his message if you he has this like turn the other cheek message this love your enemy message and then his disciples are like oh, people are attacking you, Jesus. Do you want us to attack them back, right? Like, oh, someone's kind of trying to get you, Jesus. I'm gonna cut off their ear with my sword. Like they don't get the teaching, right? It's not until after Jesus dies and is resurrected and Peter writes this thing, he's finally getting it. Because this is first Peter. Jesus didn't retaliate. Jesus didn't threaten revenge. He trusted God to act justly. So Peter finally gets the Sermon on the Mount. And my, our prayer today is that we, could get the Sermon on the Mount as well, amen? Like, uh, Roy, that Roy gets the Sermon on the Mount. You know, like, we, we, we have to be able to digest this. So let's read it together. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word and this moment that we can uh, understand you better. May you speak to each one of us in a different way and convict our hearts and encourage us where we're at, that we grow closer to you in our love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here we have this statement that Jesus makes where he, call, where he puts like a qualifier on love, perfect love. Not just good love, bad love, evil love, perfect love, perfect love. And, and this is interesting because I think a lot of times in our relationship with God, we really do think that we follow some sort of rule book where are we supposed to do the right things? And then we're supposed to not do the wrong things. And that's our religion. That's and that to be honest is a religion. Religion is you and I doing the right things or the wrong and not doing the wrong things. But that's why you hear so many preachers say that, that Christianity isn't a religion. Because superior to the rights and wrongs the Bible teaches, don't hear me today. If you do the good things the Bible tells you to do and you don't do the bad things the Bible tells you not to do, guess what? You're going to live a happier and a healthier life. Like, that's, that's amazing. But the point of Scripture is not to have you live a happy and healthy life. It's not. The point of Scripture is to point to Jesus as this supreme person that we can follow in a real way not just arbitrarily or not so, some way that's like uh, you it's just a metaphor to like doing the right things all the time that's no that's it's not even a metaphor like it's literally walking with this invisible person and learning to love people around you and and figuring out how much love you and I have And so pastors are always convinced, and I think some people, uh, I think that there's a core group here as well, they're they're always trying to help people move step by step in their relationship with God so that they can be more like Jesus and have less pain in their life. Amen. Like, it's not just having that, but there's more to it. And we think of it as in terms of this word called discipleship. Discipleship is the process of you and I being more like Jesus. Christian means little Christ, one that's like Christ. We are like Jesus, and we have this pursuit that we're all on to be more like him. John 1, 10 through 13, this uh, part of the Bible, it, 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 it initiates this idea that you and I are a child of God. And this is what it says. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him, this is Jesus, all who believed Jesus and accepted Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. They are not reborn, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So right here we have this like hidden like, truth that if you believe and accept Jesus, you get the right to become a child of God. Now, saying we're children of God is a little cult-like. If you think about it for a minute, like, oh, we're all children of God. Like, it's a little feeling like a cult. But the reason that it feels like a cult is because for thousands of years, Christians have called ourselves children of God. And And before our cults were a thing, there was this, right? Well, there were, like, other forms of cults. But, like, children of God is how we react to our Father. But interestingly enough, the Bible doesn't say all who believed and accepted him, he, they became children of God. That's not what it says. It says, to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Which is interesting. Because I think a lot of times being solely inclusive, we think to ourselves, well, you're a child of God if you believe in Jesus. But biblically speaking, you were given the right to become a child of God. So what's this really saying here? Jesus, it says this in our verse today, right? This is what we just read. In 45, it says, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. So if you want to be a child of God, you will be acting like a child of God. And to be like a child of God means that you act like your heavenly Father, where you love even your enemies, the hardest thing to do. So Jesus presents this idea to us. It's much more complicated than a ladder of goods and bads. It's much more complicated than like, are you better than your neighbor at sin management? It's, hey, you're, you're called to be a child of God. Are you going to be like your dad? Are you going to be like him? Because if you are, your reactions will show this perfect love, this enemy loving love to one another. Recently, my sons, uh, my sons, I have one son, my kids and I, uh, we, this is ridiculous, I don't know, okay, Uh, we downloaded a video game called Fortnite. Because my son was always asking, what's Fortnite? So I was like, well, we'll download it. And so we download, if you guys don't know what Fortnite is, this is a very popular video game, and uh, lots of kids play it. It's like this shooting game. You shoot each other, and you build things, it's, and you dance. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so we download it, and we start playing it. And I'm like, I, the only reason I downloaded it is to show Kai what it was like because all of his friends are talking about it. And I was like, we're going to play it together. And then all of a sudden... I'm playing it when no one's around, you know? I'm just, like, playing this game. I'm, like, in it. I'm like, level whatever. And like, the more you play, the higher the level you get. Like, you get better at stuff. Like, you do certain tasks and you get a higher level. And you go from level one to five to all the way up to like level, I don't even know the max level. I don't know Fortnite very well. But I do know that I've been playing it for like a week or two now with the kids and uh, getting higher and higher level. And I think a lot of times when we look at Christianity, we think of the levels like that. Well, I'm level 95. Well, I'm level 46. Oh, pastor, he's like level 3000. Like, we gotta just follow we everybody's got a different level with our relationship with god unfortunately christ doesn't look at us that way he doesn't love us that way and he doesn't even judge us that way we in our comparative like lifestyle find ourselves like acting like this All the time. Well, you're level six, so you can't teach me anything. No, what are you talking about? We're not different levels. In fact, right here in this verse, I love this. This is the this is the heart of your father. Hear this. The heart of your father says this. This is how he loves. He gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He says rain on the just and unjust alike. What is he talking about? He's talking about perfect love. He doesn't love those who are good in level 93. He doesn't, and not love level six. He doesn't love only those who stop doing bad things. He loves the just and the unjust, just like the rain falls on all of us. Today, it was rainy this morning. We all got wet getting in, in, the, in the building. He loves like that. It's not like he loves some more than others. He loves just like the rain, just like the sun. And we are called to love like that as well. unfortunately, We don't do that. (laughs) Unfortunately, we try, but we don't. And specifically, this is, I did not like part of this sermon today because it feels so countercultural to ask an American to love an enemy, specifically on a day like today, which is September 11th, after like, our enemies attacked the United States, they pulled the United States, and the overwhelming majority was like, let's go get revenge. That was our response. And I'm not like judging our response in that moment. And yes, we finally got Osama bin Laden, and there was this whole war that broke out because of it. Like, I'm not judging all of that, but I am judging our reactions as, a hu- as humanity, right? As our, our reactions, because we can't actually say, did our, the America respond in a biblical way? We don't expect America to do that. But Jesus expects you and I, when we have a personal enemy, to respond differently than this world. Because most likely, if someone attacks you, you're going to either attack back or do nothing right? But we learned last week that God doesn't call us to attack back or do nothing. He calls us to a third way in all our reactions. So how do we actually love our enemies? It's very difficult. Back here, remember, Jesus is talking to first century Palestine. They are overrun by, by Rome. These people, their farms have been taken away from them. They live, they have to rent the land that they used to own. Think about it for a minute. And now they have this foreign country, like making, like killing people for to, to make it to, to, as a sign, hey, follow us or you'll die just like this person. Think of it. They're, they're in this like in, intense world, and Jesus is saying to them, love your enemies. It's much more intense than our world today. I mean, could you imagine for a moment if Al-Qaeda took over the United States, forced a certain law upon your life and then made, a, made a, like, oh, you, your pastor's uh, in charge? Oh, we'll, we'll kill him to show everybody uh, who's really in charge. Could you imagine living in that environment and then someone coming to you and saying, hey, when they're being mean, don't be mean back. And when you're supposed, and you have this enemy, you need to love them back. This is radical, not, this is radical stuff. We don't, e- we don't even uh, understand it fully because we don't have so much persecution in the United States. But this is the message Jesus is sending to first his disciples and then his crowd. That if you want to be, if you wanna be a my follower, you want perfect love, then your reactions have to love your enemies. And I think this, this message is something that we all need to strive for. And as much as I would love to be a more wise pastor or like an older pastor with some more life experience, I don't know how to explain this perfectly to you today. But I do know what the Bible says. And what's nice is I'm not telling you to love your enemies today. Jesus is. And I don't have to stand in the authority of my own understanding. I can stand in the authority of Scripture and say, Jesus says, love your enemies. Why does he say love your enemies? Is he serious with this? Is he, telling these, is he seriously telling these peasants to love the people who just killed their neighbor? Is, is he serious? The answer is yes. Jesus explains what love is. 1 John 3.16 says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is loving one another, right? This is something we generally are good at. In fact, it's quite easy to love someone knowing that they're going to love you back. But it's much more complicated to love someone that you know they're going to shove that love back in your face. It is much harder to do that. And what's interesting is Jesus does it. Jesus does it. It says this in Romans 5, 10 to 11, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. The reality is Jesus went to the cross and his little posse stopped following him. The crowds of thousands of people that he used to fed, feed were chanting, crucify him. The people who were in charge of the uphold the religious standards of the day, they became his enemies and flogged him and brought him before Pilate, the, the governor, and said, hey, this guy claims to be king. He's not. Would you get rid of him for me? Pilate says, no, I'm not doing that. You, you crucify him. He's, he's flogged within the inch of his life and then brought before and, and killed all of these moments, the people around him are not his friends. They aren't his brothers. They aren't his like uh, like posse that like has. They got his back. Nothing like that. They're his enemies. They're his enemies. They're killing him. And yet, in this moment, Jesus has options. One, he can fight back. Two, he can do nothing. Or three, he can choose a third way. And he chooses the third way of loving. His enemies, and then presents it to us and say, hey, you ought to love like this too. Think about it for a moment. And Alyssa, you can, you can come up. But each one of us were the enemies of, in, in a way, enemies of God. Who are your enemies that you have in your life? Maybe it's that coworker who's your nemesis, you know? It's like that person, like, oh, here she goes again. Or it could be the, the, your neighbor who keeps putting up those signs that are opposite of your signs just to make the— who is your enemy? Maybe you're red and they're blue, or you're blue and they're red. Who is your—who is against you? Uh, you see, what we don't understand and what we fail, and as a, I've been a Christian my whole life, so it's complicated for me, and some of you have lived in your faith your whole life, too, Uh, for those of us who didn't have faith our whole life, we can actually point back to a time that we were enemies with God, that God was trying to get our attention and we were like, no, (laughs) like, I don't want that. Or like, it was to the point where like our actions and actions showed everybody that we didn't want anything to do with God. But while we were still his enemies, Christ extends his love to us. This is fascinating because we don't have to say yes to it. Why would the God of the universe show love to you knowing that you can shove it back in his face and say, I don't want it? That's ridiculous. What a waste of blood. What a waste of sweat, tears, money, finances, resources. What a waste. Why would he love us while we were still his enemies? And then he calls us to love like that. It's incredibly hard. But perfect love, and if we already have level 3,000 love, is to love, it's to react to your enemy with this love. So we're gonna end here today because I think that sometimes we read verses like this and we find ourselves incredibly not, like we can't do it, (laughs) you know, like we can't do it. In fact, so many many of us, particularly men, we have plans. If someone attacks us, we know what we're going to do back to them. Like we, this is a hard message for some of us to hear. But at the same time, it's something that we're called to do. It's something that we're called to love. And as much as there's nuances here, I'm not going to get into it today. We trust that God will lead each and every one of us in the way he's called us to lead. But I know for so many of us, we find ourselves still thinking that we are an enemy of God. Even though he has redeemed you, he has set you apart, he has called you by name, he has healed you in your life and even healed relationships, you still feel sometimes like you're his enemy. Maybe it's that moment in the bathroom where you're like upset and you're crying on the floor or that moment in the car where you feel like you're completely alone and abandoned. Or maybe it's the moments where you have this life built up and you think to yourself, I've got everything going, but nobody knows what's really going inside. We have these moments. And Jesus says, in that moment, that's the moment I love you. And that moment is the moment I died for you. That's the you he sees. He doesn't just see the good stuff, the Instagram rolls, the the reels, right? He doesn't see just the good stuff. He sees all the stuff. He still chooses to love you. Would you stand with me today? It is our calling. It is our opportunity. It is our challenge. It is our command in scripture for each one of us to look at our neighbors and our friends and our enemies and our frenemy, all the people, and to see them in their dark spots. And to see them when they're failing and they're lying to your face and you know it. And you see all of these moments is our calling to love them back. Even if they they can't reciprocate the love towards you. Even if it hurts. Even if it puts you in a rough position. It's our job to love everyone. Just like the rain, just like the sun. Perfect love is reacting to our enemies with love. And so we're going to end here today. Uh, Alyssa's going to sing a song. Are you going to sing a song? Yeah? And um, if wherever you're at, if you want to respond to this message, you can. You can come to the altar area and pray here. This is just the front. We call it the altar. It's just the front of the church. Uh, you can pray at your seat. But, but during these next few moments, would you talk to God about where you're at and let him speak to you? Hey, we're glad you joined us today on the podcast. We are praying for you. So please let us know what we can do. Uh, We're on your team, always here. So um, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.